set it all on. Yeah. What it is is what it is. Hit tonight. Hit just a few seconds if you can wait because I can't. What it is. What it is. What up, what up, fight fans? Welcome back to episode 229 of the Tale of the Tape Boxing Podcast here on the Boxing Rant. I'm Kenny Keith, and I am joined, as always, by Vince Cummings. What up, Vin? What's going on, brother? Uh, we had the age-old question answered last night for all those who paid the $75 fee to watch that bullshit. Uh, the hip bone is actually connected to the quit bone, Ken. <laughs> <laughs> let, me, let, me, let me ask you this did you end up buying it no i did not sir thank god yeah i ended up catching it this morning on youtube at like 5 a.m so i did not purchase it either um i did watch the danny garcia fight live um and i watched uh, uh ruiz's titties jiggle a little bit last night <laughs> I, can, I mean give me a break just watching a guy that's that fat it's like come on man I, this is this this is professional I know I wouldn't be able to go that many rounds. I probably look like him with my shirt off. <laughs> oh, man. All right. It's an action-packed episode here on the Tale of the Tape Boxing Podcast. We appreciate all of you tuning in. Be sure to subscribe to the show on iTunes, Spreaker, Spotify, Google Play, YouTube, Stitcher, TuneIn Radio. We're everywhere. Um, like I said, drop by the Boxing Rant YouTube channel today and subscribed and we are available once again i'm going to keep saying it because spotify is universal these days on spotify follow us on spotify um you can hit us up on all of the social media platforms facebook instagram and follow us on twitter at vince cummings 81 and at kenny keith jr all right ben let's get right to it here on easter sunday Episode 229 of the Tale of the Tape Boxing Podcast. Last night from Madison Square Garden on ESPN Pay-Per-View, it was Terrence Crawford defending his WBO 147-pound strap against Amir Khan. Then, um, I don't really know what to say, man. This this fight was just bizarre. And and I'm not one of these people that, you know, that is going to pay, like, sort of any, like, I, oh, I feel sorry for sort of the way that this thing transpired for for Terrence Crawford and he deserved a proper ending and this, that, and the other. The bottom line is, man, when Terrence Crawford clipped Khan at the in the in the very first round early in the fight, I'm just like, well, okay, my my uh my watch is ticking here. You know, it's uh it's five o'clock in the morning. I still haven't found out what happens, but I'm fucking starving. I'm ready for breakfast. <laughs> I mean, dude I, once again, you know, th this is the third pay-per-view of the year and, and boxing just falls flat on its face once again. I, I mean, look, it's not like we didn't expect what happened to happen. I mean, nobody expected Amir Khan to just flat out say, yeah, I'm not interested in getting pounded anymore. Um, it, you know, it is what it is, man. I, I, I feel bad for people who paid for that shit. That's who that, I, that, that's where the sympathy lies. I, that's who I feel bad for. And, and, and the fact that this sport thinks that, you know, ah, let's just pull this Amir. You know, everybody knows Amir Khan. We, we can throw him on a pay-per-view and people will buy it. I'm sorry, man. The top rank, the PBC, uh, all of them with these pay-per-views. I'm sorry. These guys are not pay-per-view. These are not pay-per-view quality matchups. Every single fucking one has been just on paper. You don't even have to just on paper. They're complete fucking mismatches. 
and, and, and they continue to throw this shit out there. I'm sorry, man. I, you know, I don't really have a lot to say about the fight, Ken, because it was garbage, period. End of story. Yeah, we, you know, we talked about in the preview about how, you know, Amir Khan's, um, you know, just the way that he talks, it's it's like slipping. Everything about him is slipping, right? In the ring, he looks sloppier and more discombobulated than ever. Every once in a while, he'd fling out a, 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 a you know, a jumping, leaning forward one-two that would catch Crawford and push him back a little bit. But there it was, as always, his chin sitting out there on a silver platter. And then he gets hit with a left, I guess, I don't know, upper cut hook thing right in the fucking thigh, right? And he runs over to the corner like he got hit in the nuts and he makes eye contact with Virgil Hunter and he's like, get me the fuck out of here, man. It was like the exit lights lit up at the like all of the exits through Madison Square Garden and he was like, yes, finally, the doors are open. <laughs> I mean, dude, stop. All the defenders out there, okay, listen. I'm going to give you all one one thing here that I agree with you on, okay? Amir Khan is a tough guy, right? He's got balls. I'm sorry, his balls aren't big enough to where they come out to his left thigh unless he forgot to tuck them into his cup, okay? He may have big balls, but then there becomes a question, Vin. There becomes a question of having balls and guts and outright plain stupidity. Right. I mean, at some point you have to cross that over. It can't always be, oh, but he's so ballsy. He's got busy. He's got steel bullocks. Yeah. And he's and he's probably got brain damage, too. OK. I mean, this guy, he is what Teddy Atlas said. He's a moneymaker. He's not a good fighter. He's a moneymaker. This guy's capitalized off of marketing, off of being out there, putting himself out there. Well, not only has he put himself out there to make money, he's put his fucking health on the line. He didn't even look like he had any semblance or of an idea of what it was like to be a boxer anymore. He's done, dude. He's done. I don't want to see him again. He's done. Yeah, he has been done. And, and if anybody is still interested in seeing the two quitters in a showdown for UK welterweight supremacy, I mean, good God, that fight has just gone up in flames in a, in a Khan-Kell Brook match. I mean, uh, Amir Khan last night effectively – ended his career. I, I don't care what anybody says. It's like he looked at Virgil Hunter in the, in the corner and made eye contact and, 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 and said to him, did the check clear? All right, let's, <laughs> let's get the fuck out of here because I am tired of getting my shit pushed in. And that's exactly what Terrence Crawford did. Uh, you know, just it, you I actually, you know what? I do feel bad because Terrence Crawford, it's not his fault that this is the opponent they get him, and this is the shit that happens. And it kind of, you know, in the end, taints what he is as a fighter a little bit because now all everybody is talking about is how Amir Khan is a complete joke and has been, and we all knew this coming in, and we had it all confirmed last night. Don't tell me that, oh, he hit him in the thigh and it pushed the side of his cup over into his junk and get the fuck out of here with that garbage. He quit. Period. End of fucking story. God bless this sport, Ken. <laughs> I tell you what, man. There is a look. I I don't know if this has always been a problem in boxing, but it just seems that you know if if people can't if people can't back up their talk, right? If they can't like people like Amir Khan, like Guillermo Rigondeaux, you know, there's there's been fighters in recent history that have gone up against the very very elite. 
right? They're talking, their promotion, their, you know, their fucking bravado leading into it would have all of the dupes out there believe that they're on the same exact level. That level we talk about, the different levels, the Lomachenko Crawford, who is pound for pound best in the world level, right? But as soon as they get in the ring, it's like their fight or flight kicks in. There's like this generation of quitters now in boxing that just take the check, you know, which it's 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 just so it's it it's so bizarre to me. Now, okay, Amir Khan has paid his dues and blah, blah, blah. No, man, get no. Here. No, no, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. They're like, well, he's never quit before. Yeah, no shit. He never had an opportunity to quit before because he gets knocked the fuck out. <laughs> you know, you know what I mean? Like when you're laying on the campus unconscious, it's not like he wakes up and he's like, Oh man, I should have quit. <laughs> <laughs> You know what I mean? And look, and 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 I'm I'm sure there's listeners out there going, "Oh, Ken, Ken, you've never you've never done anything that requires balls like that." Look, I've done the same exact thing that Amir Khan did against Terence Crawford. The same exact thing. This is not boxing related, but this is exactly what Terence Crawford did in this fight. When I was deployed to Afghanistan in 2003, I was assigned to do Haji detail for the local nationals, okay? And you had to walk around with these guys and make sure that they didn't do anything fucking stupid. They were just there as subcontractors, right? I get assigned to the scrap metal detail. Dude, I had nothing to do with this the entire time I was over there. So I get assigned to this. They say, go down to the gate and get your assignment. So I walk down to the gate. They say, hey, you're with the scrap detail guys. That's the truck right there. Well, the truck's parked outside of three layers of security gate. What do I do? I just start walking towards the truck. Nobody says anything to me. Nobody says stop. I'm just thinking, well, that's the truck I'm supposed to get in. So guess what I do? I walk outside of Kandahar Airfield in Afghanistan, and I get in a truck with fucking five warlords henchmen in a, in a, in a, in a semi-tractor trailer. And I'm riding bitch in the back seat, and I can't reach my fucking sidearms, and the truck starts driving. And I'm like sitting here going, what the fuck did I just do? (laughs) What the fuck did I just do? And this truck is driving, okay, along the outside of the post. And we come to the gate where the scrapyard is. Now, there's a road there. They could have went left, and then I would have been on one of these videos with a potato sack over my head while they're getting ready to behead me, right? Sure shit, the fuckers turned right back into post. Okay, did it take balls to just walk outside of Kandahar Airfield into the wilderness of Afghanistan and jump in a truck with a bunch of who knows who these fucking guys are? Yeah, that took huge balls. But it was also the dumbest fucking thing I've ever done in my entire life. That's a great fucking comparison. You're right. It it did take balls to do that, but it also took you being a complete fucking moron. <laughs> exactly. Oh, that's great. So, see, we all do dumb shit, okay? But you got to learn your lesson. And Amir Khan hopefully has learned his lesson this time. Oh, yeah. He learned a, you know, he quit and learned a $5 million lesson. Good for him. You know, don't sit here and tell me that because I'm not a fighter and I've never, you've never been in a fight and you've never. It does, that does not tell me that I can't criticize a guy that fucking stole $5 million and robbed boxing fans of any money they paid to watch that fucking farce. <laughs> hey, Vin, but hey, we were good to our words. You know, we're $70 richer today. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> oh, man. Okay, so look, Terrence Crawford is what he is, man. He's one of the best in the game, if he's not the best in the game, right? Yep. So w- is is the Errol Spence thing going to happen? I saw a tweet from Errol Spence last night saying, uh, oh, yeah, yeah, he's ready for the fight, LOL. Uh I'm already going to be unifying this year. I'm like, hold on. So 
did he just tip his hand? Because we know Keith Thurman, uh, you know, he's on that Gary Russell plan, so he only fights once a year now. Hey, so hey, did, back off my boy, man. Back off my boy. <laughs> so so did he tip his hat there? Is he fighting is he fighting Thurman? Is he I mean, who's he fighting? Pacquiao? I mean, what's going on here? No, Spence Spence Porter is definitely happening. Uh, I think it's in July, June. Oh, Porter has the other belt. That's right. Yeah. So Spence Porter and Pacquiao Thurman is already on the docket for the PBC. And I, you know, it's just it goes along with them. We'll talk about it too with the big baby uh, positive test here later on. But th- th- just these factions in boxing and, and you know, th- the way that things line up. I, why would anybody expect that that fight is going to happen? I, I don't expect that fight till at best, at best late 2020. And they're acting like this is some grand negotiation between two fucking superstars that nobody knows. Nobody knows Terrence Crawford. Nobody knows Errol Spence. These guys, they're, they're, they're positioning themselves for a negotiation for a fight that, you know, hell yes, does every boxing fan want to see it? Absolutely. But the promoters of these two fighters act like this is the, uh, this is this generation's Pacquiao Mayweather. It is not. It is not. These two guys need to fight each other to raise their profiles because they don't really have one. I, you know, I don't care who bought or how many pay-per-views were bought last night, but I can guarantee you this, not that many people paid for that shit last night. If they, if 200,000 people bought that pay-per-view, I'd be surprised. The crowd was bigger than I thought it would be, to be completely honest with you. I didn't think that they'd fill that place with 14,000. I thought it would be more like seven or 8,000. New York's a fight town. You know, you give them, you give them a name, you give them a Terrence Crawford and put it on the billboard of Madison Square Garden. People are going to show up. I mean, that's the mecca of boxing for you. Indeed. Um, all right. So let's get to the uh, the undercard here. Shakur Stevenson uh, squared off against Christopher Diaz um, in his, I guess, his first real test. I I, got to say, man. I the feeling that I have about Shakur Stevenson after this fight compared to when he first broke through is I'm still I'm still wanting I'm I, I'm just unimpressed with the guy man um, I know that you know this 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 fucking obnoxious team that ESPN's put together of like 30 people fucking talking all at the same time during these broadcasts right that I mean that's it's like okay can we just get like two people to cover the fight please. Like they're sitting here trying to promote Shakur Stevenson like he's the next fucking Sugar Ray Leonard or something. You know what I mean? And while I think the kid has some has some talent and some skills, they really need to pump the brakes on this man. I, I'm I'm just not impressed by him. You you they got Ken. They got Andre Ward on the broadcast who has who owns a piece in this guy's career. I mean he's he's a part he he's a part manager of 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 Shakur Stevenson's career. The level of just slobbing and, and and slobbering over it's like can there be any objective fucking breakdown of this guy can anybody say one critical thing can we be I totally forgot about that Vince I can't I totally forgot about that conflict of interest I mean there's just it's ridiculous that nobody will even for a second just be just the least bit critical of anything it's a fucking joke the 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 incestual bullshit inside this sport and look, man, top rank ESPN, blah, 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 you know, good for the sport, all that. You're not doing anybody any favors by just pumping bullshit over the airwaves and making people, you know, try. the kid is what he is. He's still developing. He's a young fighter. He's got talent. He's got flaws. He is in no way ready for anybody at the top of the division. 
He's a kid. He still looks like a kid. He's still coming into his own. You know, let the kid develop. He do I do I think there's potential for him to be a a a world champion at some point in time? Yeah, but it ain't this year, and it probably ain't next year. So let's fucking pump the brakes. Let the kid develop. You know, it, it, this is another example of promoters signing fighters and, and you know making them before they even get in the ring they're saying this is the guy that i'm going to promote to a championship and they just build him up no matter what it's already it was written in stone when he signed the contract with top rank we are going to get this guy a title they they do it they're doing it with jamal herring right now like the, you know, Jamal Herring's a decent fighter, but somehow he gets the top rank and top rank figures out a way to get this guy to fight for a championship. It's to me, it's uh, more and more and more when you just look past the, the, the initial layer of, of bullshit and go and dig deep. This sport is just a fucking mess, man, a mess. And, and yesterday did nothing more than, than shine the light even brighter. And this is, Quite frankly, this past week and all of the the boxing news that came out, it's like I can't help but just fucking shake my head and, and say, "This is the most dysfunctional fucking sport in the world." I'm sorry, it just is. <laughs> oh man, you know, it's funny too because with all these separate factions, like you know when when um when Al Heyman and the PBC first kicked off in the first two years, when they basically you know just completely. Um, you know, emptied that that hedge fund, their initial money that they had, and just the way that they were going about it. Um, you know, the PBC overall, the product has improved. You know what I mean? Like it's not it's not as big of a laughing stock as it used to be because there's not like there's an actual actual like real money being paid to put these fights on now, right? right? They're not they're not stealing money from anybody anymore. But during that time, you had everybody and their and their and their brother that was threatened by them. You know, going on the offensive. And going at you know going after the jugular every single thing that the PBC did, we just called it as we saw it back then. But it's so funny that you know oh look at the uh, you know the PBC and Showtime like calling regular belts for the world champion, saying that fucking you know Robert Guerrero is a six-time world champion and in- including his NABF belts. You know what I'm saying? And 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 that was a thing. That was a thing. It was like that they were the only ones doing this, and that you know Golden Boy and Top Rank and Matchroom they were. They were highbrow, right? Like they were above all that shit. Oh yeah. yeah. And 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 here you go, and here you go with with Andre Ward, right? Who's sitting here promoting a fighter that he promotes, while um, you know Andre Ward, Ward's biggest boyfriend fan, Max Kellerman, uh, Kellerman, has his hand underneath the desk while Andre Ward is sitting here promoting his fighter. You know, it, it's 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 no different, dude. And look, you could say, oh, that's ESPN's decision. Now, look, top rank ESPN, they're in this thing together. The way that they package it, the way that they promote it, it's way overboard, man. I don't need to see Kriegel, Andre Ward. I don't need to hear Tim Bradley, the fucking Monday Night Football announcer. You know what I'm saying? Like, I don't need, like... All of this, it's its just too much. Stop bouncing back to the fucking table. If you want Andre Ward and Max Kellerman to call the damn fights, then get rid of Tessator and, and Tim Bradley and have them call the fights. You know what I'm saying? It's like, it, it, it's just too much. It's just too much for me, man. Uh, look, I, I am 100% with you. If I have to listen to fucking Mark Kriegel, like... It, 
dude, I'm not a, I'm not a fucking kindergartner in the library that you came to read a book to. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like fucking, it's kind con- like I, I, it's condescending the way he fucking pontificates these these ridiculous fucking stories and tries to make it something grand by his delivery. It's like, would you just would somebody just backhand him and kick him off the fucking set, please? Jesus yeah. Christ. It is like he's reading children's books at a, at a, at a, in a kindergarten class. It's like he talks so slow and deliberate, and then he has to pause, and he turns the page. Everybody <laughs> sit down Indian style and be quiet. Mark, Mark Kriegel's here. <laughs> oh, his turtlenecks are fierce. <laughs> um, Again, you, and, and, and to top it off, okay, you know, since we're on this bit of discussion, to top it off, the head guy, the head honcho, Bob Arum. Okay, what's he? What what comment does he make after the fights last night? Everybody should uh, should be you know shunning the PBC for not allowing uh, Spence Crawford to even to, to even happen. This is all Al Heyman's doing. Meanwhile, meanwhile, Bob and Top Rank have just signed Tyson Fury and prevented a Tyson Fury Deontay Wilder rematch for at least a year. So, Bob, uh, dude. You're the best promoter of all time. I'm not, you know, there's no doubt about it. Okay. The guy's been around forever, but good Lord. I mean, I don't know what that, what they put in the weed in California. Maybe it's not in the weed in, in that we get in Maryland, but my man has lost it. I mean, he, he, what are you, what are you talking about? You are literally, I mean, he's no different than anybody inside the sport that talks out of both sides of their fucking mouth. It's ridiculous. Vince, that's called ageism. Yeah. That is not. That is not fair. Hey, well, you know, add it on to the list: racist, ageist, whatever, sexist. I'm all of it. Fuck them. <laughs> oh my gosh! All right, let's get to uh, something that will maybe put a smile on your face today. Then it is Easter Sunday. <sighs> um, yeah. <laughs> the refer uh, the return of Tiafimo Lopez um, in uh, a lightweight scrap against Edis Tatley. Um, your boy came out and put on another show, man. That's what he does. Look, if there was one uh, good thing about last night, that was it. You know, that kid is electric. I don't give a shit what anybody says. Is he ready for the best? Maybe not. Is there flaws in his game? Yes, absolutely. But you cannot deny the electricity of when the bell rings and you see Tiafimo Lopez in the ring. He is going to entertain 100% no matter what. And as a fight fan, that's all I can ask for, honestly, these days anyways. Yeah, and you know what? He's, you know, he's stepping up the length to fight. He dude, he, you know, he's working towards that inevitable um, you know, big fight. I don't know if it'll be Lomachenko or not. I think uh, you know, in, until until Tiafimo Lopez establishes himself, you know, against the top fighters at 135 pounds, um or if he stays at 135 pounds, let's be honest, um, you know, that that's yet to be written, but in the meantime, I'm with you. I'm enjoying what I'm watching, and uh, give me some more. And I think uh, potentially, potentially, um, his next opponent before a possible fight against Comey. We don't know who's going to fight Comey, but there's that opportunity for Tiafimo to possibly get some belts by the end of the year. I think you're going to see a fight here in the next couple months, potentially in uh, in June. I don't know, maybe back in New York for the Puerto Rican parade. I who knows against Felix Verdejo. Um, but Verdejo put in some rounds and, uh, he may need another year or two off. <laughs> I don't know what it is with him, man. I, I, I think more than anything, it's the desire and, and heart. You know, you never want to question that at, for any fighter that gets in the ring. Obviously it takes heart to even step through the ropes and do what they do. 
but he just doesn't seem to really want to be there. He doesn't seem to like getting hit. Uh, that was a very close fight last night. Yeah, he, he, he pulled it out. And you know what? At this point, you said it on, on last week's show, let's just Felix Verdejo, let's put him in the fucking ring with Tiafimo Lopez and let's see what happens. Because I, I, honestly, there's no reason. I mean, I don't know what they're trying to build towards with this return because it ain't going to happen. Verdejo is not going to live up to the potential that, you know, was through the roof three years ago. He is not that fighter. No, he absolutely loved the attention that he was getting when he was coming up knocking out, you know, tomato cans. You know what I mean? When he was knocking out guys that were, you know, had records that were like 10 and 30, um, you know, and he could put his big old, you know, million dollar smile on TV and the crowds that would come and see him in New York. I mean, you know, and the thing was, he, it's not like it's not like Verdejo got, de, you know, derailed by stepping up to this ultimate challenge. You know what I mean? It's not like he rose to the, you know, he, he was working his way up through all of, uh, you know, boxing's levels and he made it to the elite level and Verdejo took one uh, step that he could not handle. That's not what happened. <laughs> Motherfucker wrecked his motorcycle and disappeared. Um, from what we understand, his his training regimen, his trainer, it's all just the opposite of where you want it to be to try to reach that elite level with elite skills. You know what I'm saying? That It got derailed by himself. It didn't get derailed by an elite fighter. Uh, Tiafimo Lopez will eat Verdejo for lunch. Oh, absolutely. He will just systematically destroy him, and I would I would venture to say that Verdejo either gets knocked out or quits. Oh, I, I, I think it's a flat line. I think Verdejo gets knocked out. Yeah. When the going get tough, Verdejo get going. <laughs> um, all right, let's switch gears here over to the PBC. Um, it was last night from Carson, California. Danny Garcia versus Adrian Granados. I was loving the little daytime fight over there on the West Coast. I saw, uh, um, you know, uh, Dimitrenko got himself a sunburn in that fight against Ruiz. <laughs> that look, man. Uh, Danny Garcia last night just absolutely manhandled Adrian Granados. I, I, I've, nobody's ever done Adrian Granados like Danny Garcia did him last night. I mean, just walked him down, walked through everything, and just a barrage of straight right hands and hooks just, just completely beat down Granados. I, you know, I expected that fight to be semi-competitive. You know, I expected Granados, I expected it to go to the distance, and I expected Granados to win at least three, four rounds in the fight and make it competitive. Uh, not the case whatsoever. Uh, dominating, dominating performance from Garcia. Yeah, it was a dominating performance. I think, you know, look, as it is in boxing, sometimes just one one big punch can change the direction and the flow of a fight, right? Once Adrian Granados got clipped that first time um, by Danny Garcia, his entire sort of demeanor changed. He, he he was reckless coming in on Garcia. It was kind of perfect for a counterpuncher like Garcia, to be honest with you. He was like the perfect opponent. And sometimes that's what it takes. I mean, you're not going to see somebody like Sean Porter like sitting back on his heels waiting for Adrian Granados to come to him so he can hit him with a check hook and knock him down. Let's be honest, right? I mean, Sean Porter is going to go right after Adrian Granados, and then Granados is going to go after him, and it's going to look like two Rams battling it out for a female Ram. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> yeah. So, so Danny Garcia, this was, uh, you know, styles make fights, and this style was all wrong for Adrian Granados. Um, Danny Garcia showed that he's still sharp. Um, he's still got lead feet, but Adrian Granados will never be, a, a, you know, mistaken um, for Usain Bolt in the athleticism department. So, you know, it is what it is. 
I think the impressive thing for Danny Garcia and and for you know for him to build on when he decides to uh, you know come back for his second fight of the year um, is that he was sharp for a guy that doesn't fight very often. He looked pretty good um, coming off of losses. Now, I do have to mention here, and we do need to pump the brakes a little bit because for some fucking reason, right? And I know they're all in it together, just like we were talking about with Top Rank. It's the same thing with the PBC and Showtime. But Steven Espinoza, like, he had to, like, go to bat for Danny Garcia and all the criticisms. Like, it was almost like, hey, DSG, while you're in the ring fighting, I got your back. I'm going to answer all the haters on Twitter for you, you know? saying that, oh, you know, Danny Garcia is an elite fighter and he only lost the last two. And Look, I know two other fights, in my opinion, that he lost. Yeah. I thought he lost the Lamont Peterson fight. I thought he lost the Mauricio Herrera fight. And I'm sorry, man, he's a few shady uh, scorecards away from, uh, from having four losses, okay, and being kind of irrelevant and just being a journeyman. So we need to pump the brakes in that regard. And, you know, Steven Espinosa is so funny, man. He's like this... He's like your like your typical modern day like far left liberal who just fucking lectures. That's all he does is just condescend and lecture to everybody. It's like, dude, dr- leave your shitty attitude at the door and go book your next fucking women's fight. Okay, <laughs> nobody wants to hear that shit. Nobody wants to watch your garbage. Okay, look, am, am, am I looking forward to the Wilder Brazil card? Seeing Gary, uh, you know Gary Russell Jr. actually making an appearance. Yeah, I'll watch that one. But it's not going to be on Showtime because I'm not subscribing to your fucking whims. And don't lecture people that are your subscribers. That's why you're getting 300000 for fights now. Because nobody's subscribed for boxing anymore, bud. No, they're there. I mean, he is. It's like a guy that is just he's barely keeping his head above water. And he just sounds more and more like a dumbass. Every fucking tweet he sends def- defending the PBC, defending Showtime, defending that faction of boxing it's like dude come on man save it you're you're a i'm, I'm a, showtime is a, a joke as far as far as in the boxing game right now they've had like three fights this year okay one of which their biggest fight they claim was a woman's fight that nobody gave a shit about uh, apparently there was there was a a group of people that did tune in um and you know we can't say it wasn't a success, Ken, because three hundred thousand is a is a success for women's boxing. Look, man, I I don't care. You, you're trying to shove shit down my throat that nobody really wants a part of. You know, you you, you got to He's out just like you said on Twitter last night. He's trying to tell everybody that Danny Garcia's power is underestimated at welterweight. Adrian Granados isn't a welterweight. He's a hundred and forty pound fighter that's made his way to welterweight later on in his career because. He's looking for paydays because that's where the paydays are, and that's where the fighters in the PBC faction of the sport lie. Is in is at one forty seven. So you know, don't don't stop sugarcoating shit, man. It is what it is. You know, Danny Garcia is who he is. I'll tell you what, if they want to do what's right, because Danny Garcia is on the outside looking in right now as far as PBC welterweights go. He doesn't hold a belt. He's not he's not in line for a, a, a title fight later this year. You know the fight that needs to be made right now is Danny Garcia and Terrence Crawford. Make that fight. Can can you do that? Is that possible? Well, Bob offered Danny Garcia the fight, and he turned it down. He offered him four or five million dollars for the fight. He offered Danny Garcia the fight before Amir Khan, and and DSG turned it down. Now you're tur- you're right about that. He did, but it, you know, it, it, like in any offer in boxing, was it real? What what you know? 
I, I don't. Oh, I, I believe it's real because Danny Garcia, just like you know, a couple other people in the PBC have a have a have a long litany, a reputation of turning down big offers to cross the street when they know that the that the road. Remember, we talked about it last week, man. I mean, the PBC. One thing that Al Heyman does as an advisor, he doesn't just offer you one one plan for the future. He's like a fucking like a really really good financial advisor. He lays out multiple plans, multiple mutual funds, multiple IRAs and 401ks and whatever path you want to take, invest your money here and I'll make sure that you get returns on it, right? Yeah. So it doesn't surprise me at all. Why go fight Terrence Crawford and get embarrassed because that's what would happen with those lead feet. Lead feet do not work with Terrence Crawford when you can fight, like you said, a career 140 pounder, right? Who had had his greatest successes against the uh, mere moms of the world, right? Instead of, you know, coming up to 147 pounds, taking a paycheck, you know, this is the path that he's on. And if he takes these fights and continues to, he'll be on the peripheral. Is he waiting for the potential of Manny Pacquiao to lose to, to Keith Thurman and then getting a shot at a rematch with Keith Thurman? I just don't... That might be his best bet within the PBC is just waiting on Pacquiao to finally show some signs of not being a top five welterweight in the world anymore because I don't believe he can beat any of the top five. I don't care how good he looked last night. No, I mean, that was a, you know, basically wound up being a showcase fight for what Garcia does well. And and that's be a bruising, attacking fighter when he, when he has the advantage against his opponent. But against the top five in the division, He's not able to operate in that manner. So it just, it, you know, it, can he be competitive? Sure, he can be. Yeah. He can be competitive with with any of the top five fighters. Absolutely, but he's not going to beat them. And, and I think we know that now. So I, look, it is what it is. You know, Danny Garcia is it, it, just one of those guys that did he, has he had a good career? Yes. And you look at it on paper and you go, man. It's, this guy's, you know, borderline, almost a Hall of Fame fighter, two div- two weight division champion, blah 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 blah. But when you dig deep and you dig down and and, and you look at it below the surface, it's you know, he's just another one of those guys that just really his career has not been that fucking great. It just hasn't. No, he fought Eric Morales after uh, Manny Pacquiao, f- like basically ended Eric Morales's career. I mean, Eric Morales, you know, is one of the great Mexican fighters of all time. And he was used as a name. Amir Khan was not what we know of Amir Khan now. Right. No. But he, he was ripe for the picking either way. So looking back on that knockout of Amir Khan, well, yeah, that, I guess that's what should have happened. It just, you know, nobody, there, there'd been enough time, uh, you know, between Amir Khan getting knocked the fuck out, the time before and the Danny Garcia fight where, you know, people in the United States didn't fucking know any different. Right. I mean, Zab, Zab Judah way past his prime. Yes. Uh, you know, the, you know, the Matisse fight. Okay. Yeah. Matisse has been a really good fighter, but he's also been one of those fighters that uh, just, well, just wasn't good enough. Right. Like he, all action fighter, but just at that level where it's like, okay, yeah, just right there on the outside looking in. In my, in my opinion, he lost the Mauricio Herrera fight. The Rod Salka fight, still to this day, one of the biggest jokes in boxing history, bringing up a guy as tiny as Rod Salka and then doing what he did to him. I thought he lost the Lamont Peterson fight. He fights fucking Paulie Malinaji, who was way past his prime. Robert Guerrero, come on, dude. He's been a fucking a traveling punching bag for the PBC. 
You know, his, his, his only real fights of guys in their prime have been Keith Thurman and Sean Porter, and he lost both of them. Yep. Man. He lost... He lost both of them. Ken, if the keystone moment of your career is knocking out Amir Khan, then, you know, if that's where you, that that's the top of the mountain for your career, then it really wasn't that fucking great because we've seen Amir Khan get knocked out by a bunch of people and he quit last night and he is who he is as a fighter. So if, if that's where you're going, if that's where you're pointing, uh, you know, to say, I, I am a world-class fighter, I'm not, sorry, I'm not buying it. Well, it may not be Danny Garcia's crowning achievement, but it most certainly was Bradis Prescott's. <laughs> yes, it was. <laughs> uh, but all that being said, all that reality aside, uh, Danny Garcia looked really good last night. And dude, let's see him. Give him a shot. Let's see him in with these guys. You know what I mean? I I, I want to. I want the fucking rat, Stephen Espinoza, to to actually be right about something for once, and not just sitting there and riding off the coattails that seem to drop fucking wads of cash on the ground of Al Heyman's. Yeah. Um, okay, let's get to the uh, zone, London. Uh, David Allen versus Lucas Brown. I don't really have anything to say about this except for that body shot that David Allen landed on Lucas Brown to end this thing was fucking awesome, man. It was textbook. It was violent. It was it was epic, dude. I loved it. How about this? Uh, yeah, I, I'm I'm right with you. It was a beautiful fucking body punch, and Lucas Brown is a I'm, I'm sorry, he's just not good at all. But but the, to me, the the irony again just pops up in, in, in boxing here when you when you got a guy in Eddie Hearn saying after Big Baby Miller test positive that uh, he should be suspended and he shouldn't be allowed to ever fight again, should be banned from the sport. And his main while while all this is happening while he's saying that in his main event on Sky Sports he has Lucas Brown who tested positive uh, less than a year ago in the main event and on top of that there was no drug testing for the fight so <laughs> what the f- I, it's never ending in this sport I'm telling you if you just it's like I don't even know what to fucking say anymore man I I really don't. Hey, dude, he's he's a fucking snake oil salesman. I mean, you've known that forever. <laughs> Good lord, man! All right, man. Are we, let's are we get too to... harsh, Ken. Are we being too harsh today? No, I think that there's just you know it is what it is, man. This is what happened this weekend. Like, you know, we could sit here and 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 look at this weekend's fight cards in Rosie Perez shaded glasses, where like everything's the greatest fight they've you know she's ever seen. You know what I mean? <laughs> It doesn't matter what order they're in. They're the next one's better than the last one, or you just call it what it is. We called what the Crawford con card was, right? We got Tiafimo Lopez is really the one guy on there that that had people excited. Everybody loves to watch Terrence Crawford fight, but if you have been watching the sport even at a fucking uh, a relative distance, you knew what this was before you got into it. Um, I was surprised with how sharp Danny Garcia looks, so you got to give him props for that. Um, all right, let's get to this fight preview, Vin. This is a rematch that I know we've been looking forward to for a long time. Um, this Friday night on zone from the Forum in Inglewood, always up to no good. It's Sarissa Ketsor Rung Vise, or as the uh, common folks say, Rung Visay. Um, is squaring off against El Gallito, Juan Francisco Estrada. This is a true matchup. I don't care what your pound-for-pound pound rankings are. Um, this is a true matchup of two of the elite fighters in boxing, um, and this is an ultimate 50-50 fight. You're talking about two 
just completely different styles that match up perfectly for one another. It is going to be up to Juan Francisco Estrada to break out of his reputation and start faster in this fight. He closes fights as good as anybody in the game of boxing. But in this rematch, Vin, El Gallito, he needs to start fast. Uh, I'm 100% with you. Thank God. Finally, a title fight in this sport where I don't know what's going to happen coming into the fight. We're, we don't know what the outcome is going to be. I will say this. For a fighter like Juan Francisco Estrada, exactly like you just said, he started too late in the first fight. He barely was able to get himself a draw and sneak out of there with a draw. But I, here's what I'll say is that I think Rungvisai is who he is as a fighter. He's, his style is not going to change. He is a bull. He is going to try to manhandle Juan Francisco Estrada and pound him with left hands. I think the difference in this fight is Estrada has already downloaded the info on Rungvisai. And Rungvisai is not going to change his approach. So I think in this fight you're gonna you're gonna see an Estrada who from the from the top from the opening bell will have the advantage. He will know what he needs to do to break down Rungvisai in this fight, and I think he does it in a pretty emphatic fashion. Um, you know, Rungvisai came out of nowhere two years ago and, and beat Chocolatito basically into retirement and, and became a superstar like that in the sport. Uh, he came into this fight with Estrada and you know, I don't know a lot of people I think in boxing don't really appreciate how good Juan Francisco Estrada is. Uh, if I made a pound for pound list, he would be tickling the top five on my pound for pound list. The guy is that damn good. And Rungvisai would also be somewhere uh, in the top 10, probably the bottom half of the top 10. So as a fight fan, I'm just glad that we finally have a fight that's worthy of, you know, of our attention as fans. And, and we're going to, there's look, there's no doubt in my mind that this will be a great fight, but I do think Juan Francisco Estrada will be the man who, who comes out on top on Friday night. Yeah, absolutely. And, and look, you know, some of uh, Estrada's, you know, fights through the years, um, you know, you can try to, uh, find these moments where, oh, he didn't, he didn't start slow in this fight. He didn't start, you know, look in his big fights and his big moments, you know, even against Chocolatito, right. When, you know, they had their, their famous fight years ago. Um, you know, and it, that was at a time when Chocolatito was literally, you know, and he did it all the way up until the end. He did it all the way up until the end where he put his foot all the way down on the accelerator from the opening bell. That was Chocolatito's style. And that was all wrong for Estrada, right? I watched a fight, um, it was the a young Estrada uh, at that time. Exactly. Exactly. Um, I, I, I watched an Estrada fight against Tyson Marquez where dude Estrada with his ability could have fucking knocked out Tyson Marquez in the first three rounds. And Marquez had success. He was, I'm like, what, what am I watching here? Like, is he practicing right now? Like is, <laughs> is Estrada like, what's he waiting for? And then he ends it in emphatic fashion, but that's the thing. He, he, he gets, you know, he's got to lube up. He's got to get warmed up before he fucking, you know, lets those counters fly. Because, dude, I'm telling you right now, he comes out of nowhere with his elite level and his elite skill and his hand speed and his sharp shooting. And, dude, he is a devastating counterpuncher. I mean, my boy can hit you pinpoint accuracy. Now, maybe 
It just takes him a while to laser in, to put that fucking laser beam, that red dot right on that spot that he wants to throw that punch. But he's not going to be able to do that against against uh, you know Rung Vasai. He's just not going, going to be able to do that. He's going to have to sustain this action. If he's going to end this thing emphatically, he's going to have to pepper him over rounds. He can't take his time doing it because, you know, you got to give Rung Vasai his credit too and all his successes. He is much like Alexander Usyk, not not in the in the in the technique department, but in that snowball rolling downhill department. You give this you give this guy momentum. He's so physically strong that he can wear your ass down. Yeah, and Estrada could not allow that to happen. Like you said, he's got to start early in this fight, start often, drop them. Count. Estrada kind of reminds me, uh, as his career's kind of gone on, he's he's kind of like a mini uh, Juan Manuel Marquez as a fighter. And the fact that you mentioned his counterpunching and timing is some of the best in the sport, if not the best in the sport. And it, and it goes uh, very underappreciated by a lot of boxing fans. <clears throat> he better be on it from the opening bell because if he's not, just like you said, Rung Visai will get going, and once he gets going, good luck. That man is a, a bull in a china closet. Yeah, absolutely. But, dude, this uh, rematch for the WBC Super Flyweight Championship, this can't come soon enough. And I'm so glad in a busy weekend of fights that this thing kicks it off on Friday night. I'm loving I'm loving a big fight on Friday night. Love it. Yeah, and, and the co-main with Danny Roman and, and, and TJ Dehaney is, is a, another fight that will be – it's just going to be a war. It's going to be entertaining from start to finish. This is the uh, uh, this is the card I've been looking forward to the most outside of Canelo Danny Jacobs, which is the following week. And, and, and these two fights couldn't come at a better time for the sport of boxing because I'm sorry, up until this point, this this year has just been absolute trash. Yeah, and I think even you know, sort of this crossroads fight. Um, with Jesse Vargas and Humberto Soto is probably going to be <laughs> action packed. Might be a little sloppy. Yeah. Might be might be some looping haymakers, but uh, you know there might be some butts touching the canvas throughout the fight too. Yes, this will be a good card from top to bottom. All right. So guess what, Vin? Did you know that the World Boxing Super Series was still going on? Uh, I heard. I heard rumors of it. <laughs> Look. Okay, I try to follow this sport as close as as humanly possible, and I had no idea that the WBSS 140 semifinal and 122 semifinal, two fights that I'm interested in watching, I didn't even know they were this weekend. Well, ain't, I, I, had, ain't, I had no idea. They're not selling any tickets down there at the University of Lafayette in Louisiana. I, it's they're, they're they're practically giving tickets away to this fight. Actually, I think they announced they are going to give tickets away. So, uh, you know, these are you're right. These are both really good fights. Uh, any any fight fan should be tuned into both of them. But you're right. They, the the promotion of the WBSS, and I guess you kind of see why certain guys keep their fighters out of this tournament because they just don't do. They're not doing anything to help these guys' careers. You know. Uh, they're good. For, the tournament's good for boxing fans because we get the matchups that we want, but it ain't good for these fighters' careers whatsoever. Well, in the 140-pound semifinal, um, who do you like? Carol Relic versus Regis Progray. Uh, give me Progray all day in that. I think uh, Progray's coming into his into his own as a fighter and, and getting confident, more confident and more confident with every fight. Um, his style, I think, will be too much for Relic to handle. He's Progray's almost turned into a, a a bruiser, a come forward fighter. We were watching him come up 
on uh, on Showbox for, for what seemed like he was headlining Showbox cards for five years. And we were wondering, is this guy ever going to take the next step? Well, he finally has, and he's come into his own as a fighter. And whether you are a Josh Taylor guy or a Regis Progray guy, those are the two best fighters at 140 pounds right now. I, to me, that is the one fight in boxing that I look forward to more than anything. And I hope the tournament keeps its shit together. And by the looks of it, you know, it should be a final that happens this year. So, you know, I, Regis Progray is who he is as a fighter. I, I, I you know, like I said, he's coming into his own and, and, and he should just absolutely dispatch of, of relic. I would say inside of six rounds. Yeah, I'm with you, man. Um, he's going to look to put on an impressive performance for whoever is at the, at the stadium. You know what I mean? Cause he's going to have a little hometown following there and I'm sure they'll be loud, uh, regardless of how many bodies are in the arena. Um, the, uh, 122 pound semifinal Zelani Tete versus Nonito Donaire. Um, this is a unification fight for the WBO and the WBA straps. Um, look, man, I've always thought that Donaire was always best suited in the, you know, uh, below featherweight, let's just put it that way, uh, anywhere around there. At this age, I'm not sure what it's going to be like for him in camp to make this weight. I always give him a puncher's chance. Um, as long as making this weight isn't taking his ability to put together a long-distance performance if it's required, I give Nonito Donaire a puncher's chance in this one. Um, I'm not picking him to win, though, but I am giving him a puncher's chance. Uh, I, I would, too, and I, I will say this about uh, Tete. It's this is his toughest fight. I mean, this is the toughest opponent he's ever been in the ring with. You know, Tete's been doing damage against average fighters, okay? And this will be a true test to see actually how good the guy is. I I, I think he's a very good fighter, but uh, once he gets in the ring with Donito Donaire, we'll, we'll find out for sure what kind of fighter he is. And, and if Donaire is able to win this, I mean, talk about a, a guy that's kind of bookending his, his career here. And, you know, could be headed towards a, a WBSS final in a fight that he's more than likely will get destroyed in because we all know who's going to who's going to be waiting for him in the final or who's going to be waiting for whoever wins this fight in the final. But I just continue to be amazed at how this guy has gotten this longevity out of his career when it looked like two years ago we wa- we were watching a guy that was like, oh, he's just completely done. He, he came down and wait. He's kind of re- reinvented himself a little bit. And he's one of the fucking good guys in the sport. A guy that's been doing three twenty four seven three sixty five drug testing for I I don't even know how long, but he's was the first to do it and is one of the only ones still doing it. Yeah, and that's why he'll always be revered. Um, you know the way that he is. He wins this fucking thing, man. They're gonna you know bypass any any sort of wait times to get into the Hall of Fame. You know what I'm saying? They'll duck his ass right after the fight. Absolutely. Um, I'm just glad that Cal Sauerland uh, sold his cocaine stash to make these fights happen. <laughs> uh, he, he had to have done something, Ken. I don't know what it was. <laughs> oh, man. Okay. Uh, Showtime, Las Vegas, Nevada, Saturday night as well. Robert Easter Jr. squares off against Rancis Bartholomew for the WBA regular lightweight title, which I'm sure that Showtime will bill as the WBA World Championship. Um, and I don't think either of these guys, regardless on who wins the fight, will ever step in the ring with the actual WBA lightweight champion in Vasil Lomachenko. Um, I don't know who's going to win this fight. I think this is an even fight. 
Um, I'm, you know, Robert Easter Jr. He looks the part. Um, he's a good fighter. Uh, Rancis Barfelemy is become a little bit more exciting fighter. I mean, gosh, watching this guy come up, man, he earned the name Rancid Barfelemy because he was in the most boring fights ever. The most boring fights of all time. I think that he's kind of stepped his game up a little bit, and that's why this thing's a 50-50 fight. And actually, I'm picking Barfelemy to win. Wow. Shocked that you're doing I, – I, I don't think – I think Robert Easter's all wrong for him. I really do. Um, and, and just for the reasons that you mentioned, watching him come up, Barfelemy just d- doesn't throw enough punches. And In a fight with a guy like Robert Easter, you're going to have to throw punches to win. I, I just think he gets outworked. I don't think there's a knockout or a knockdown because neither one of these guys possess that much power. But I think Robert – I'm, I'm going to say Robert Easter – handles him pretty pretty easily over over the 12 rounds yeah i'm just robert easter is one of these guys man he's just another guy to me um and so is bartholomew so i'm uh i'm going against the chalk on this one bub no the battle of the jags (laughs) (laughs) oh man all right and uh to round out the fight previews uh espn plus from london daniel dubois against uh richard larte and um this fight is six days away and Jack Catterall does not have an opponent then that's is he the modern day well I guess Callum Smith kind of fights in the modern day <laughs> but is he on the uh the Callum Smith plan uh, I mean this guy was what he was on our prospect list like three years ago right and he's got like 30 fucking fights and hadn't hadn't done dick feed him TBAs and bury him on the undercard Ken that's that dude's a slick southpaw man is he just is he afraid to get on a plane and leave like the cozy confines of, you know what I'm saying? I I don't get it. He is a good little fighter too. And he's an exciting fighter. Yeah. Uh, at, at some point the kid's going to have to be tested before they throw him in the ring in a, for a title fight, which I'm sure, you know, he's on the Eddie Hearn plan. So it's TBAs uh, uh, buried on fucking undercards. And then eventually he'll get a title fight and you'll be like, wait, wait, wait a second. How the fuck's that happen? <laughs> oh man. It's, look, you can call it the Eddie Hearn plan just because Eddie Hearn has done this to more fighters than most. But uh, let's be honest, uh, Jack Catterall's promoter, Frank Warren, is very famous for doing this as well. <laughs> yes. yes, they all are. They all are. But uh, can we get an opponent, please? Because I think Jack needs to at least uh, have some peace of mind going into this fight. <laughs> He's going to show up and there's not going to be anybody out there. It's going to be like... Uh, yeah, it's gonna be like one of those like fill in interviews in a in a WWF match, right? Like in between, you know, the guy's not fighting that week, but he just comes out, grabs the mic, and talks some shit for a minute. Piper's Pit or whatever that shit was, or the or the <laughs> uh, the barber shop with Brutus the Barber Beefcake. You know what? That see, now we're on to something. You know what I'm saying? Now we're on to something. Instead of these TBAs, just don't have them fight and let them go out there and talk some shit. <laughs> Cut a promo. Yeah, got a promo. I love it. All right, finally, to the news and notes. Um, This was the biggest story um, of the week. And, you know, the way that this thing has unfolded has just been unbelievable. Really, really hard to fathom. I think you don't even have to be a boxing fan. I just think life in general, when we speak about, you know, opportunities um, that come and opportunities that we don't take or opportunities that we fuck up. Um, Anthony Joshua was scheduled to square off against Jarrell Big Baby Miller, June 1st, Madison Square Garden. Um, This was a fight I was really, really looking forward to. Uh, Three of the four belts on the line. And on March 20th, um, sample taken, 
of Jarrell Miller's comes back for a substance called GW1516, which an athlete might use to assist in fat loss or as an endurance booster. Then he follows it up with two positive tests on March 31st, one for HGH and the other one for EPO. For those who don't know what EPO is, um, it increases the oxygen carrying capacity of the blood, which would help them later in fights and not have so much fatigue. And he also uh, tested positive again in that EPO piss test for the GW1560. I mean, this guy had a fucking mu- This is a, was a Long Island iced tea of PEDs, dude. <laughs> Triple stacking these PEDs. Boy. I, I, when this news come out, I, I, the first one, I'm like, okay, yeah, you know. Not not shocking, you know. Uh, I've, more fighters than we know are 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 using PEDs. All right, but the fact that it comes out that the second one's HGH and the third one's EPO, for a second I'm like, dude, this is this is beyond bizarre. You're you're in a a, a fight that's being VADA tested. Not only that, but Anthony Joshua pays extra money for stringent testing. He, I believe I heard he pays an extra hundred thousand dollars per fight to Vada for 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 just you know a higher level of testing, which I, I love. Good for him. He should be fucking doing that. Um, it just to me, what's what comes out of this? You know, I'm not shocked that Big Baby Miller was taking PEDs, not in the least bit. I mean, you look at the guy and you wonder how a man of that size is able to fight twelve rounds and throw as many punches as he does, well, we just got the answer, okay? that's it. He was able to do it because he's been fucking cheating. Don't tell me this was the first time he did it. I'm not, you know, this that's that's absolute nonsense. Like any fighter, oh, you know, any time a fighter tests positive, it's like, oh, you know, his first positive test comes back and he's like, wait for the truth to come out. I'll be vindicated. What the fuck are you? Dude, you blatantly took shit, multiple PEDs, tested positive three times i i don't know where these guys get the the like how stupid are you give me a fucking break dude you knew you were you knew there was vada testing and you're like you're triple stacking shit you gotta be dude he he got suspended in 2014 by the california state athletic commission for nine months for testing positive after he lost to mirko Krokop in a glory kickboxing match. exactly <laughs> <laughs> You know what I mean? It's like, uh, this is the thing that is just so, so confusing. I mean, I get it, man. People mess up, right? People do things to to get an advantage. People fucking snort Adderall before their exams. You know what I'm saying? Right. Like People will, will do things to improve their performance. This has been going on since there has been something brought to somebody that says, hey, this can give you a little edge. But the thing that is so just it, it just blows my mind is that coming into this fight, his biggest career payday was five hundred thousand dollars. OK, he just lost out on potentially then ten million dollars total. He was getting almost five million just for his purse for the Joshua fight. Plus. He cut a deal to get a, a cut of the pay-per-view profits and then was guaranteed $3 million in return bouts on DAZN if he lost. What a, a, just a colossal fucking moron, man. I mean, you just lost retirement money. No matter what happens, just he could have gotten knocked out in the first fucking round. The, the, the money was secured. The bag was already secured, man. You had money waiting for you. Like you said, in 
fights after the Joshua fight. It, it, I'm just completely, my mind is just blown at how, how foolish that big baby Miller team is. Cause I guarantee you it, it wasn't just big baby Miller taking these by himself and nobody else on the team. No, I got to think that everybody's, everybody's on board when it's that blatant and, and he's doing it the way he was doing it. Just un fucking believable. And I'll tell you what, the, the, the thing that drove me nuts more than anything about this whole situation is okay. Now they need a replacement fighter, right? F- for big baby Miller. So, you know, AJ and Hearn start throwing names out there. And of course, Luis Ortiz name comes up, right? And Luis Ortiz is offered the fight and turns it down. So immediately everybody jumps on this Luis Ortiz's ducking bandwagon, right? And because one person said in a tweet one time that fighters don't need eight weeks to prepare. They, it's ridiculous. They only need six. So somebody read, everybody reads that and that's gospel now. So, <clears throat> so now the, he's been offered a fight in plenty of time. Why shouldn't he take the biggest payday of his career? I c- completely agree. 100% by the way, he should, but guess what? And I mentioned it earlier. Uh, I, 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 when we were talking about it in the beginning of the show, okay, here's what's going on right now is if you think for a second that Al Heyman is going to offer up any of his fighters to help Anthony Joshua out and, and DeZone and Eddie Hearn and their American debut and their, their fight that's going to position them in negotiations for a Deontay Wilder fight where they can say, Look, we came to America. We sold out. Um, we sold out Madison Square Garden, and you know this many more subscribers bought bought the zone because Anthony Joshua was fighting on it. It's it's mind blowing to me that people can't look below the surface and see that this is what's going on in the sport now. These factions, the three factions, have now they're not going to do anything to help anybody else out or put over anybody, uh, any other fighter from a different faction. So don't, if you're jumping on this ducking bandwagon, first of all, Luis Ortiz was strategically avoided by uh, Deontay Wilder and Anthony Joshua for a couple years. So I find it fucking laughable now that they offer Luis Ortiz a fight with six and a half weeks notice, everybody acts like, well, they should be ready to jump off the couch immediately and get into training camp. You got to get sparring partners. It's not like you just, all right, grab the bag. Let's go to the gym. This isn't fucking Rocky where Mickey knocks on the door at at two o'clock in the morning and says, I think we should go knock his block off. You know, (laughs) this isn't, this is real life. People, You, you can say all you want about Six weeks is plenty of time and this, that, and the other. You don't know. Everybody that's saying that doesn't know a goddamn thing about what goes into a training camp and being prepared to fight a guy like Anthony Joshua when you already, he's already been offered a rematch with Deontay Wilder that is probably just as lucrative. And everybody's saying, oh, he's going to get $6 million. Probably not. I believe Eddie Hearn came out uh, immediately and said, Whoever takes the fight is not getting the same purse that Big Baby Miller was getting. That deal is not going to just transfer over to the replacement fighter. So nobody knows anything. Nobody has any background information or knowledge of the situation, but they just start throwing out uh, Ganatsky and Ortiz are ducking. People, 
Look below the fucking surface. Peel back the fucking layers of the onion. This is boxing. What Whatever is said uh, and pumped into the media, you'd be smart. You, I, I'd advise you to listen to it and then decipher for yourself what the fuck is going on because it ain't as simple as a guy is ducking. It goes way deeper than that and, and points to the problems in this sport where you're going to see fighters from different factions they're, 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 and, the, and these promoters are not going to do anything to help anybody else. They're not going to put anybody else's fighters over. It's, it's, this is where we stand in 2019 right now. It's that everybody's positioning their pieces on the fucking board. And, and while that's going on, don't expect to get anything from any of these guys, period. So, you know, Put the ducking shit away. He's not ducking. Nobody is ducking anybody. This is the business of boxing getting in the way of a fight. Period. End of fucking story. And if anybody's been paying attention to the way that Al Heyman does business, Vin, is that he's not, I guarantee you, this guy has been all about step aside fees he's been all about paying people not to take fights this has been the world look at fucking adonis stevenson's career for god's sake you know what i'm saying the bottom line is is that al Heyman and there may have been a check involved i'm speculating but that's the guy's mo told ortiz you take that fucking fight and you're not getting the deontay wilder fight right that's exactly what he told him. I, 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 I 100% guarantee you that because if Ortiz goes into the Joshua fight, right, and then Ortiz fucking beats Joshua, then how much more does Al Heyman have to pay Ortiz? <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Or vice versa. If he goes into the Anthony Joshua fight and gets knocked out in the second round, he's not going to want to pay Ortiz however much he was going to pay him. This is status quo. Look, if I got to write you a check to not take that fight, wait. You're going to get the Wilder fight after the Brazil fight, okay? Just hold your fucking pants on and and just chill. That's exactly what happened. It's that simple. Yeah, and people, you know, uh, blaming the fighters in this, you know, uh, go ahead, do whatever the hell you want. You sound like a moron. You got to fucking look below the surface, people, please. Look, and so, and, 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 okay, so, so besides the whole, you know, like the, uh, uh, heavyweight factions and, and, and the conversation that you just touched on and elaborated on, Ben, I think the, um, equally, if not dumber, um, comments that have been made, uh, in regards to this entire Jarrell Miller PED situation came from Serafina of Greg Cohen promotions. <laughs> Okay, who said telling people to suck his dick? And, oh she, she she says I'm upset and disappointed with Jarrell. Absolutely, what Jarrell has done is 100 wrong. But what I won't do is turn my back on him. With all that being said, it's hard for me not to think that he's being nailed to the cross because he's an African American fighter. Uh, what? Did you just see this record-breaking precedent of the most outrageous drug doping in 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 modern boxing history and the loss of a potential ten million dollars? Did you miss that part? That's why he's being fried, and he's being fried for no other reason. 
Stop with the Jussie Smollett fucking manipulative re- reverse psychology bullshit because nobody's buying it. It has absolutely fucking zero to do with Jarrell Big Baby Miller being black. It has everything to do with the fucking <laughs> just litany. Uh, I mean, the guy's a fucking walking pharmacy. Give me a break. Yes, he is going to get fried for costing his career. He's I'm sure he's going to be. I don't what did, I don't know if the the uh, the athletic commission uh, brought down a a, a a suspension yet, but I would imagine he's going to be long suspended at least a year. But here's the thing. See, in the sport of boxing, I, we, we saw it this weekend. We see it. It's all over the place. It's not a death sentence when you test positive for PEDs, folks. All right? You go hide for a little bit, keep your fucking mouth shut, and in a year and a half, you'll be back fighting for a title in a main event making a, making a, a you know millions of dollars again. So it, it, this sport, the sport, the levels of hypocrisy in this sport, I'm telling you, man, it's this is unfucking real. Yeah, and and look, he's if there is any bright side to this at all, he's br- He's brought a uh, you know a bigger spotlight on himself. This isn't the way he wanted to go about it, but people are going to know who Jarrell Miller is now. So yeah, once the uh, storm has passed, he'll get fights. He's not going to have the earning potential that 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 this could have uh, you know put in his uh, in his four hundred one k and you know into his bank account. But you know Jarrell Miller will be back. But stop with the victim bullshit. This guy injected a dude. A, 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 a pharma, uh, you know, a pharmacological fucking dictionary of, of, I mean, you just flip through the, you know, the book of all the medicines in the world and this dude injected it into himself. So stop with the victim. Boy. He's not a victim. He's an idiot. I, That's what he is. I thought when I heard the GW 1516, I was like, is this from fucking the Terminator movie? What is this? <laughs> oh man. It's the, it's the, it's the, it's the, uh, super serum. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> It's like uh, you know when it when when it fills up the vial before injection, the color of it is like this, like fluorescent blue color. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I, I'm just I'm not shocked at all. You know, you, after hearing it and looking back at the absolute size of this man and what he's able to do in the ring and throw as many punches as he does and seemingly not ever get tired, you know, we got our answers. That's all I'm gonna say. Yeah, exactly. Um, all right, keeping it heavyweight for a minute um, with matchroom boxing. Murat Gassiev, um, the former um, unified cruiserweight champion, is signing with Eddie Hearn in matchroom boxing um, and will debut in the heavyweight division very soon. So um, we've got some pretty interesting uh, guys joining the heavyweight ranks um, over on that side of the street for potential you know, opponents for Anthony Joshua um, and a potential rematch at heavyweight. Uh, you know, between Alexander Usyk and Murat Gassiev. Now, I don't think that result will will be any different, but we got some interesting guys, um, and I'll be very interested because Murat Gassiev at heavyweight is really interesting to me um, because of his devastating power. And we've seen guys that are skillless, right, completely skillless in the heavyweight division win world heavyweight championship belts, okay? Um, Murat Gassiev, his power uh, put on 15, 20 pounds of muscle onto his Zangief physique. <laughs> Dude, this guy could be a fucking monster. At yeah, he, he could be a wrecking ball. And, you know, the thing that cost him in the uh, Usyk fight and, and, you know, what cost him at, at the cruiserweight division is he's he's not real good on his feet. He's not a, you know, he's not a a boxer in any sense of the word. He's a bruising 
brawler and and his style will be much better suited at heavyweight and uh, look I am intrigued by any matchup that involves him against any of the top five, six heavyweights in the division right now. I mean, I line them up because I I think we're in for some, I mean, a, a Derek Chisora, uh, Murat Gassiev fight, a, a, a Dillian White Murat Gassiev fight. Dude, those are all, the, the, their styles match up well. I just think we, we could be in for some very, very entertaining scraps involving Mr. Gassiev at heavyweight. Yeah, dude, I'm uh, I'm I'm really looking forward to his debut for sure. Um, all right, some uh, fight announcements, Vin. Um, Triple G has finally found an opponent in Canadian Steve Rawls. Uh, the fight will be June 8th on DAZN in New York City. Um, you know, I don't know much about Steve Rawls. I watched some video on him, other than the fact that you know he's an aggressive banger type. Um, so I think that you know, as an opponent. Um, for what you know, Golovkin's looking to do in this comeback fight after his controversial decision loss to uh, Canelo Alvarez, um, I think that this is going to be an action-packed fight for as long as it lasts. And I think that Steve Rawls has you know the style um, to make this one pretty fucking entertaining. I know people are hating on it. I'm a you know I'm a Triple G fan. I wouldn't call myself a fanboy per se, but I don't really care. I I I, I kind of share the sentiment and the feeling that that triple G does. It's like, you want to pay me $10 million to take this fight after what I had to fucking go through in Canelo and back-to-back fights, getting fucking jobbed, getting jobbed and having, having my reputation and my career fucking distorted. It's not ruined. People know what happened, right? People know who triple G is. People know where he lies in the pantheon of modern day greats in boxing that has not been changed, but amongst a certain segment of the fan, his legacy has been distorted and he didn't fucking deserve that. So I think that if he wants to go and have a fight at Madison square garden for his fans against Steve Rawls, more power to him. I'm not hating on him. I don't give a fuck. I just hope it's fun to watch. Yeah. Look, I, I, I panned the fight when it's announced and I, and I still, you know, I think it's a bit of, I understand. Okay. I get it. He's 37 years old. He's been out of the ring a little while. He had a kid. He's been out of the gym. He's not in shape. Okay. So they're, they're doing the fight at 164. You know, uh, there's so many aspects of it that, that drive me nuts about the fight, the matchup in general. They, in my opinion, they could find somebody better than Steve Rolls. It is what it is, okay? The fight's there. It's announced. I completely understand. And part of me even thinks that Triple G, at this point in his career, is throwing up a couple middle fingers at everybody saying, I don't give a fuck what. Give me my money and fuck the sport. Because exactly what you said, you know, the guy's legacy has been somewhat ruined by the inner workings of a corrupt sport. And I won't say that about the second fight, but I will say that 100% unequivocally about the first fight. The man was robbed, absolutely robbed. And all this fight did, you know, is for this group of Triple G haters, the worst, the biggest morons walking the face of the fucking earth. These fucking idiots that now this gives them, you know, here's, here's how they react. Well, Triple G's back to his old ways of just knocking out bums. That's what he's been about his whole career. People, you are so fucking stupid. How can you be so dumb to not realize what happened to this man and his rise to superstardom? How about everybody? 
every good fighter at 160 on his way up said, uh, thanks, but no thanks. I do not want to get knocked out by Triple G. So finally, finally, he gets old enough and shows just enough decline for guys to be willing to take the chance. And now there's a certain value that comes with Triple G that he's been built up, that his career was built up brilliantly, okay? One of the first foreign fighters you know, from that part of the world to ever become a star in America in boxing, okay? Brilliant promoting gets him to this point, and now guys are willing to take the chance because there's a there's a financial reward that comes with fighting at Triple G, and not only that, he's a little bit older. So I might even have a chance against this guy now. That's the only thing that can be said about Triple G's career is this guy has been much like we spoke about with Luis or I uh, spoke about with Luis Ortiz earlier. He was strategically avoided for a long time and held these three belts. And when he got these three belts, fought every mandatory that he he could fight. And it's not his fault the guys were who they were. It's not like there was some fucking boogeyman hiding out that he avoided. These guys were ranked by these sanctioning bodies. He took the fights that were there that were made him uh, uh, able to maintain his, all of his titles. So these morons that come out and say, this is what he's always been. You know, he's, he, he duped fans with this Mexican style, all the belts, blah, 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 blah. No, he didn't people. He did not. And if you are the type of person that cannot sit back and, uh, and take a look at it, and see how this this man's career has truly gone and the type of shit that he's like American boxing the the American boxing scene was not is still reluctant in, in accepting these eastern european fighters okay i don't care what anybody says it exists in the sport there's it, and it's more along the lines of they're not sure that these guys can sell the way the fights need to sell so I, these guys that that just tear down Triple G at every opportunity they get, I'm sorry. They're the most moronic boxing fans I have ever seen in my life, Ken. I, I, I cannot stand these fucking guys that go on these tirades on Twitter and, and, and just tear down the guy. It's like, you're an absolute fucking idiot if you don't see how great this guy is and what what has happened to him throughout his career. Dude, yeah, I mean, there's look, it's 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 just today, man. It's it's people today. They look at what happened to them yesterday and what's happening today, and looking forward to what's next. They there's no context, right? People forget about the fact that the best middleweights in the world, when Triple G was coming up, right, when he was coming up through the sport, champions Sergio Martinez ducked him. Felix Sturm ducked. ducked him. Julio Cesar Chavez Jr. turned down $7.5 million, which would have been way more than what Golovkin would have gotten paid for the fight. They were offering guys and champions way bigger purses than what Golovkin would earn to take these fights, right? Remember also, folks, yes, Canelo took the fight once Triple G was 36 years old. Remember that he also relinquished his belt he he said no. I'm done. I'm 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 not, I don't want any part of this right was, now. He waited until the time was right. That was the biggest duck in the last two years. Like everybody calls everybody out for ducking. That was the most blatant duck ever. That and oh, but they fall, Ben. But they fall, Ben. How could it be a duck if it, no? At the time, in that moment, in the past, it was a yes, duck. Yes, one hundred percent. It's just it blows my mind, man. The guy's just. The, scru the level of scrutiny he takes. And like I said, 
I don't like this fight, and I think this is a shit matchup, and the catch weight is annoying, and everything that comes along with it. But like I said, I think Triple G says, fuck you, boxing, and fuck you, everybody. I don't care. Give me my money, and tell them, get me a Canelo fight, sure, just pay me, all right? And then I'm getting the fuck out of here. Yeah, more power to them. Um, all right, so it's official. Uh, then Sergey Kovalev versus Anthony Yard. I mean, from what we're hearing, it's official. Um, will take place in Russia. Man, I got I I got to tell you, man. I, I you know since we started talking about this fight and the trainer of Anthony Yard, I started just you know going on YouTube and really doing some some looking into this trainer that Anthony Yard has. Where did he fucking find this guy? I mean, honestly, where did he find him? I, I don't think I've ever seen somebody who looks like a bigger imposter in the sport of boxing than this fucking Tundi guy, Tundi, whatever his name is. Did you see that video of them working mitts? Yeah, I've, I've, I've been seeing videos of uh, Yard hit the mitts like that for two years now. Uh, looks like me and my two-year-old son working the mitts. I, I, yeah, it looks like patty cake is what it looks like. You know, I, I, I <laughs> Yard's in for a rude fucking awakening in Russia, my friend. That's all I'm going to say about this fight. <laughs> Did you hear what uh, Andre Ward said about it? Because you know his his yards trainer was saying how uh, how 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 yard is 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 more skillful than Andre Ward, and they asked Ward about it. Did you see his comments? No. <laughs> oh, Ward was like, "Listen, I'm not even going to comment on that. Listen, guys that got big muscles, guess what? Once the fight gets going, those big muscles fill up with blood. Then they get tired, and then guys that can box like Kovalev knock their heads off." Yes. <laughs> this Kovalev 2.0 kind of reboot, and we saw his style kind of change in that last fight with Alvarez. I think Kovalev's going to box this kid's fucking ears off. Yard, Anthony Yard, honestly avoided tough domestic fights. You're avoiding tough domestic fights, and all of a sudden you're going to step up and fight a Hall of Famer? Get the fuck out of here. He's going to get beat. You know, I. I really like, yeah, you know, I'm indifferent about Andre Ward sometimes, you know, I think he's a really smart guy. It just sometimes, man, when, when, when he brings his own personal interests or, you know, his financial interests into play and things, some of the things that he says, you know, get under my skin a little bit. Um, you know, it's his prerogative to talk about those things. He's the one that's on that platform. Um, but as a, as a commentator of the sport, I've always thought that Andre Ward's been great. And, you know, it it, it it makes you feel good and it, it lends credibility to Andre Ward, regardless of the circumstances. And, and, and everybody thinks that that Kovalev won that first fight against Andre Ward. There's no doubt about that. And the second one was a dirty fight. But, you know, Kovalev just didn't have it in him to, uh, um, you know, to deal with those kind of tactics. You can still tell. And in that interview that I watched when they were asking Andre Ward about Anthony Yard, you could still tell in the way that Andre Ward spoke about Sergey Kovalev, that Sergey Kovalev is the greatest fighter that Andre Ward has ever fought. And there's no doubt Absolutely. about that. Absolutely. And there's one thing you can say about Andre Ward. It's the level of respect he has for the sport and his opponents. And like you said, in my opinion right now, he's quickly becoming the best in the business as far as a guy that's on TV breaking down fights. I would much rather hear him talk about a fight than anybody else right now. Yeah, but the thing is, is that Max put super glue on his hand, so he can't, you can't get those two apart. You know what I mean? He's like, he's like, tricked you. They're like, get Max away from Andre. <laughs> he's like, nope, ain't going nowhere. Max, get off Andre's penis, please. <laughs> oh, man. All right, let's close the show, Vin. We're almost an hour and a half into this thing. Um, 
It's uh, a showtime uh, May 18th on the undercard of Deontay Wilder versus Dominic Brazil at the Barclays Center. Gary Russell will make his annual appearance. And um, as is sort of the trend of the, uh, you know, the Jojo Diaz fight was real in 2018. But other than that fight, man, um, you know, going from Jojo Diaz, taking a year off and coming back and fighting Kiko Martinez, uh, dude, this is criminal, man. I'm sorry. Kiko Martinez is going to get knocked the fuck out. He is so far past his prime. This is kind of egregious. I mean, Jesus Christ, the the last, I'm sure he's been in other fights. I know he has been, but the last I remember of Kiko Martinez was Scott Quigg just fucking manhandling him and destroying him. The guy's punch resistance is gone. It's not there. Uh, to me, yeah, this is borderline criminal because these are the type of fighters that take one too many punches. And now every punch that he takes is taking years off of his life. And for no reason other than to get Gary Russell Jr. his one time a year, easy payday. You know, Gary Russell Jr. is a guy that doesn't like boxing. It's a job. It's not something he loves. He does it to get paid, period. I don't care what anybody says. I don't want to hear any of this. Gary Russell Jr. is the most of one of the most avoided fighters in boxing. Why? Because Leo Santa Cruz won't fight him. Leo Santa Cruz won't fight anybody. Uh, you know, uh, are we shocked by this? That's why we're calling the man the most avoided fighter in boxing. He doesn't do any favors for himself going outside of anywhere, asking for tough fights. I, I, the guy's from this area. I watched him fight as an amateur. I, I thought this guy was the next big thing in boxing at one point. I, I thought he had, you know, Sugar Ray Leonard type potential as a fighter when I was really young. Okay. I, I have, I wanted every reason to like this guy and to get behind him, but I can't do it. And that's fucking sad, man. I, I, it's just it's mind blowing. The, the, the amount of money he's cost himself and the, the level of talent that he has wasted because don't get it twisted. Gary Russell Jr. is a uber talented fighter, but he just refuses to put it on display. So nobody fucking knows. <laughs> oh, man. Yeah. And, you know, just this Kiko thing, man. You know, he, dude, Kiko's had plenty of fights. It's I mean, you want to talk about him? It's a, embarrassing. It is. I mean, the guy, but you got to give Kiko one thing. He stays active. I mean, this guy's had at least three fights every year since 2015. Um, he's been knocked out three times. Um, obviously, you mentioned the one by Quig. He was TKO'd by Carl Frampton in, in 2013. And then he was also knocked out by Leo Santa Cruz. And I think that tells you something about where Kiko's punch resistance is at. <laughs> if Leo Santa Cruz is knocking you out. You, you there know you I mean? go. I completely forgot about that. Yep. I mean, you know, and you're also kind of splitting hairs there, Vin, if you're trying to, uh, you know, uh, assign blame for why the Leo Santa Cruz fight isn't happening. <laughs> you know what no. I mean? It's like uh, t tomato, tomato, <laughs> exactly. uh, you know? <laughs> oh, man. Well, that was a lot of show right there. Vin. Man, that was overtime. A lot of show. Uh, we, am I getting paid overtime right here? No. You're not. Actually, this is this episode's going to cost you money. <laughs> like all of them. <laughs> oh, man. All right. Well, let's get out of here then, man. Um, we appreciate all of you tuning in to the Tale of the Tape Boxing Podcast here on theboxingrant.com. We'll be back next week with episode 230. We finally made it into the 30s, wow. man. Can you believe it? Took it? Us about, it feels like it took us about two years to get from 200 to 230. 
Yeah, but you know what, Vin? Now with the uh, modern marvels of technology, and I think people have already forgotten that we're not in studio together. We're, we are recording from two separate locations about uh, 35 miles away from one another. I am in Western Maryland, and you are in the Washington, D.C. area, and we're making it happen, man. And that's why we're bringing it to you on a weekly basis. God damn, we are so fucking good, Ken. I, I... We're amazing. <laughs> Absolutely amazing. Um, but on the docket next week for uh, episode 230, the return of Artur Baturbiev. Um, we got another title fight. German and Kansas is, is in action. And, of course, the main event for the Cinco de Mayo weekend as Canelo Alvarez squares off against Danny Jacobs with names like Jojo Diaz back in action. Um, so, you know what? Cinco de Mayo means that uh, we are right around the corner from the two fights that we will be attending in May, Jared Hurd versus J-Rock Julian Williams and Alexander Usyk versus Carlos Cam. Can't wait for me. No, uh, I'm right with you, man. That's uh, nice. We got a nice stretch of good fights coming here. F- finally, the bullshit has kind of been pushed to the side for the, the I'll call the first quarter of uh, 2019, which was terrible. Hopefully these next couple weekends kind of rescue the sport a little bit. Yeah, absolutely, man. Um, All right. Well, then that'll do it for episode 229. We appreciate all of you tuning in. Be sure to subscribe to the Tale of the Tape Boxing Podcast on iTunes, Spreaker, Google Play. And, of course, we are available on Spotify now. Um, So please follow us on Spotify. And we're also available on Stitcher and TuneIn Radio. And drop by the Boxing Rant YouTube channel today and subscribe follow us on twitter at vince cummings 81 and at kenny keith jr so until next week thanks for listening to episode 229 of the tale of the tape boxing podcast here on the boxing rant muchas gracias everybody